Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. 
All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, everybody. Glad you're here. Did you witness that beautiful, that wonderful solar eclipse? <laughs> I love you here because I saw you out there uh, staring up, looking up. Staring up, looking up, what's the difference? It, it was a beautiful sight, folks. Me and my family, we were out there, and uh, <laughs> we saw it, and, you know, everybody in the neighborhood was uh, in the area, uh, seemed like they were looking up, you know, everybody's looking up. But before that, it was funny because, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the sky going dark or almost black, especially in the city of Chicago, the first thing you think of is thunderstorms, you know, but that wasn't happening. It was an eclipse. Man, this was, this was powerful. This was wonderful. This was great. And uh, a lot of people, I mean, people really did, <laughs> uh, people really did enjoy it. It was emotional. And uh, I just hope everybody who had a chance to see this and experience this once in a lifetime phenomena, uh, that you totally, totally enjoyed it. I mean, it was the kids were out there. They were out of school. The teachers were, you know, out there um supervising the kids on uh, on the wearing their glasses before looking up. Uh, it was just phenomenal. I mean, it, it's something the whole world is talking about. And I know that. And uh, it was just super, super duper uh, beautiful and wonderful. And I'm hearing that the next um, solar eclipse will be in seven years, 2027. That's what I'm hearing. I'm also hearing another number, 38 years. So we just have to wait and see which one of these uh, uh, pan out. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some more people predicting when the next one's going to be, um, you know, so we'll just have to wait. But I, but the first one I heard was seven years, 20, uh, 2024. So we'll just have to see what happens. But anyway, it was beautiful. This one here on uh, August 21st, Monday, August 21st, 2017, it was phenomenal, you know, and, uh, you know, my son got his glasses. I had my glasses and we, we were out here with the rest of the crowd. We were rest of the crowd, friends, family. We were out here. It was just phenomenal. And uh, it was beautiful, you know. And uh, I have something to say about Donald Trump, and that's not the speech tonight. Donald Trump looked up at the solar eclipse without glasses. This is true, folks. I'm looking at it on uh, Huffington Post. Donald Trump did look up but there's also a video out there uh showing donald trump with glasses on looking up with his wife but before <laughs> before he didn't have on any glasses and he looked up there's a there's a great big old photograph showing him looking up without his glasses on his eyes are squinting now how crazy is that with all with all the people around him in the White House and everybody schooling him on this? He goes out on the balcony, I'm, I believe, of the White House and looks up. His wife is looking straight ahead. She's wearing dark glasses. I don't know if they're uh, the, the glasses for uh, viewing the solar eclipse or not, but she was looking straight ahead. Donald Trump was looking all the way up. The sun was shining in his face. Uh, <laughs> wow, this guy doesn't. <laughs> this guy is the president of the United States. The president is supposed is supposed to be someone you look up to, but 
this guy, you cannot look up to this guy. I mean, he looked up. I'm not joshing you. I'm not lying. And there are so many people out there are saying nothing anymore surprises them about Donald Trump. But this, this was just phenomenal. Don't lie. You looked up at the eclipse just like Donald Trump did. Okay, I'll buy that. Some other people probably looked up at the eclipse just like Donald Trump did. But Donald Trump is the president of, of the United States. You know, he's, if anybody's supposed to know, uh, Donald Trump uh, is supposed to know not to look up at the eclipse without glasses on. Yeah, there were people out there looking up at the eclipse without glasses. I mean, nothing's ever going to be perfect. Nothing's going to go 100% the way it's supposed to go. People are going to uh, do things that they're not supposed to do that could, you know, render their health, their eyesight. But to see Donald Trump do it, it's just so funny. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just totally, totally funny to see. All right, proof that what <laughs> about stupid, stupid as Donald Trump does is. I mean, this is just crazy. But you don't. But. Don't you guys understand that he is special? The laws that <laughs> I'm reading comments here, folks, from people who also saw Donald Trump look up, look up at the solar eclipse without glasses on. There's a great big old photograph <laughs> that Donald Trump looked up without his glasses. This is just phenomenal. Donald Trump. I guess he thinks he has the best eyes. Yeah, that's probably what it's true. He probably thinks he's so uh, arrogant. He, he may think that he has the best eyes than any of us has. He might be just that arrogant. And, and I'm thinking that he is. My eyes are fine. They're not going to do anything to my eyes. He's probably saying, boy, but <laughs> he looks straight up at the goddamn eclipse. And his wife was smart enough, or his daughter, whoever was standing next to him. Uh, they were looking straight ahead, as I have said before. But Donald Trump, I mean, this guy is a mess. Uh, speaking of Donald Trump, he's giving a speech tonight on Afghanistan. You know, um, he criticized uh, Obama a hell of a lot for the war in Afghanistan. And my understanding, the speech tonight that he's going to be giving He's going to be sending at least 16 more thousand troops to Afghanistan. And he criticized Afghanistan uh, when Barack Obama was president. You think that he'd be pulling those guys out and ending that war. No, that's not going to happen because the Republicans, they want war. I don't know. They have, they have some sort of interest or stake in keeping people uh, and letting people die. You know, so... Um, he's going to be giving a speech tonight, and I already told people that I wasn't going to watch. I wasn't going to watch this man uh, speak words that somebody else have written. I'm not going to watch this man as he reads from a teleprompter. Now, I, I have nothing against people who read from a teleprompter. However, Donald Trump seemed to ha have had something to do with people reading from teleprompters in, in the past. He criticized Obama till 
he criticized Obama to the hilt on reading from a teleprompter. Now he's reading from what? He's reading what somebody else has written for him. It seems like everything that Obama, I mean, everything that Trump has criticized Obama for doing, he's doing and doing it a lot more. He's criticized Obama for this. Some people are saying that the speech tonight on Afghanistan, he's going to try and blame Obama for everything. As, a, as I said uh, a couple of minutes ago, a few minutes ago, there's nothing surprises me about Donald Trump anymore. This man could walk out in front of the White House and, and, and shoot people that's standing at the White House, House gate, and that would not surprise me. Uh, nothing surprises me. And the speech tonight that he's going to give tonight, that's not Donald Trump. Just like the speech that he gave, uh, the first speech that he gave on the Charlotte incident, that wasn't him. So he came back with another speech the next day, and that was really him defending the uh, uh, white supremacists and the KKK. That was, that was Donald Trump. And this tonight, the speech that he's about to give, this is not Donald Trump. This is not this is nowhere near Donald Trump. And another thing about the speech, the reason why I'm not going to listen to it, because he'll give a speech one night and the next day he goes, he, he, he starts being himself again and he goes off, off, off into another world. You know, goes off into another world and, and, uh, and lies and, and just um, makes a fool of himself and embarrasses the country. But let's get back to the total eclipse because it was just amazing. And I keep seeing, I keep seeing this um, piece in front of me that's saying Donald Trump <laughs> looks straight up at the solar eclipse. And a lot of people are saying he's the dumbest of the dumb. I'm reading a lot of uh, uh, people who's saying that, okay, Yes, I accidentally looked up. This this person is saying she accidentally looked up. It was kind of cool for all of the two seconds that I did it. I saw the moon partially covering the sun. It was neat. Luckily, I'm not blind. Not yeah, not blind yet. Yeah, and and a response is someone responded, "You won't notice the damage to your eyes right away." You know, so that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that a lot of people who did not wear glasses looked up at the sun, saw the solar eclipse. The damage is going to start to show maybe in a few days to your eyes. And I'm hearing that it's permanent damage. So Donald Trump looked up. So, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure he's, he feels his eyes is better than anybody else's eyes. So he looked up and, um, We'll find out in a few days if, if our president is going to go blind or not. All right. <laughs> You've been listening to the to the uh, George Wilder Jr. show. It's been beautiful. This is our, my first day back on the show because we have uh, – the show is on four days a week. Four days a week. Four days a week. Always have been on four days a week and haven't taken it to five days a week yet, but anything could happen. Four days a week starting at 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Chicago time, Central Standard Time. I have a lot of people calling in, but they're calling at the wrong time. Some people are calling when the show is over because they, are, they don't realize 
uh, my time, Chicago's time zone and their time zone are, uh, it's different. So you have to kind of, you know, uh, allow yourself some wiggle room there because uh, if you're calling from California and your time zone is uh, a different time zone from uh, Illinois, Chicago, and some of the other sub surrounding suburbs, uh, you're going to get through, but you may get through before the show starts or after the show ends. So you got to play a little bit of a roulette there to try to get in. And um, uh, it, it, <laughs> it's beautiful outside. It's wonderful. And one of the things I want to say about the solar eclipse, the solar eclipse uh, that was just uh, witnessed by millions and millions of people, one of the things is that this event, this solar e eclipse, brought people together. If not for just this day, it brought people together. It made people feel that, that we are all one on this earth. We weren't apart, we were not divided, we uh, race, creed, color, hate, love, we were all together phenomenal. We were one, and that's the way it should be. Not divided. I mean, I think Donald Trump and his administration has this country so divided in four, in four pieces, in four slices. We are so divided. But during this solar eclipse, we were one. Everybody was just looking up. <laughs> we were looking up, and our president was looking up without glasses. Even the children, the, the, the babies, had on protective gear, glasses, while they were looking up, but not out. <laughs> excuse me, but not our president. He looked up without glasses. As I've said before, there is pictures and videos out there where he is wearing glasses, but only after he probably was told to put them on. <laughs> oh, man, this is crazy. But, you know, it's been a great day, folks. It really has. I'm pretty sure a lot of people on Facebook, a lot, a lot of people on Twitter and some other these some other uh, social networking websites are going to going to have a field day with Trump not wearing glasses. <laughs> of course, there are a lot of other people who did not wear glasses and looked up, but this is the president of the United States. We are under him. We're supposed to be, he's supposed to be a role model. Trump is nowhere near anybody's role model, and I don't think he'd give a damn about being a role model. Wow. How many times you, you've told your kids, have you heard someone tell their children that they can grow up to be anything that they wanted to be, even president of the United States. You may not want to tell them that anymore. Uh, maybe, maybe once Trump leaves office, probably. But um, this guy is just outrageous. And uh, I'm not going to listen to his speech tonight. Um, I, that doesn't mean that you should not listen, okay? That's up to you. If you want to listen, you listen. But, you know, it's my preference. It's my personal uh, business. Um, 
if I want to listen to him or not. And I don't. I, I just don't. The, the Trump has a long way to go with me. You know, um, he he really has a long way to go with me. And. Um, <laughs> all right. Anyway, let's get back to something positive. All right. My doctor told me, George, you got to stay positive. You have to stay positive. And I'm going to say that to a lot of people out there, too. Uh, stay positive. You always have to stay positive, especially if you you are if you have diabetes, if you have cancer, if you have some sort of sickness or diseases, because uh, emotion, a lot of emotion can make some of those symptoms worse. So what you want to do, you want to exercise, you want to keep your mind clear, you want to keep from being so stressed because stress can kill you. And uh, so same for me, too. I mean, I'm not telling you nothing. I'm not uh, 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 I wouldn't do myself. You know, I you know, I wouldn't do that. And um, thanks for listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks for tuning in. And as I've said so many times today, I hope you have uh, enjoyed the solar eclipse. And I hope you were wearing your glasses, not like our president, who were not wearing his glasses at first, but somehow he found them and put them on. Maybe he was just stubborn. Oh, my eyes are better than anybody else's eyes. I'm not going to go blind. I'm going to look. We'll know in a few days if <laughs> if Trump is going to go blind or not. <laughs> but it was beautiful. <laughs> it, it was it was great. It was beautiful. And uh, I can't wait for the next one, folks. I hope I'm around to see the next one. And I hope you're around to see the next one, too. As I've alluded to earlier, people were saying that maybe in the next seven years, uh, and some were saying the next 38 years. And you've had some people say, well, the next 100 years. But I'm hoping the next seven years. Uh, that, that's what I'm going to be riding on because I want, I'd like to see it again. And one of the things, it brought so many people together. And some people saying watching the solar eclipse was was actually um, spiritual. I guess I guess this you know, brought a lot of people to God. They're saying it was spiritual. I'm pretty sure some of the religious fanatics out here are probably saying, oh, it was God. It was God. It was Jesus. It was God. But uh, whatever it was, it was beautiful. It was it was wonderful. It was great. And I do think it was spiritual in a way, you know, because so many people wanted it to be spiritual. So many people uh, they were so emotional, and, and it was just great watching the babies, the little children come out of leaving their classrooms uh, from schools all around the United States to come out and just, you know, hold their heads up, they had on their glasses, and just peer at the um, eclipse and just say, wow, that was just so great. That was just so wonderful. And it was. It was, folks. And and it brought us together. And, and I hope we learn a lot from that, some things from that. And hopefully uh, Trump will learn, <laughs> will learn to put on his glasses before he look up at the sun, especially if there's a solar eclipse. All right, you've been listening, listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We should have, uh, my guest is Susan Johnson. And uh, hopefully she'll let me know if she... Um, witness or saw the solar eclipse and she's going to be talking about i believe her book or, or, or her book 
or or something. But we'll find out. You know, we we will find out. Three four seven eight five seven one seven six two. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I'm still thinking about Trump looking up at <laughs> Donald Trump looking up at the um, at the solar eclipse without his glasses on, and everybody's been touting glasses. And another thing, this may be. This may give some sort of credibility to science. You know, Republicans, that's one of the things that these guys never believed in or will not believe in is science. This may have changed a few minds because this is all about science. And once again, I just hope everybody who is out there watching this thing, I hope you stayed safe. I hope you wore your glasses. If you didn't wear your glasses, uh, I'm like so many people, I'm saying I'm hoping nothing will dramatically happen because of that, but I don't know. We'll know in a few days when people start showing up at the doctor and the clinic and the eye clinics and stuff like that uh, for their eyes because they were like Donald Trump. <laughs> they did not wear their glasses. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me.
let me talk to Donald Trump and explain to him that as president of the United States, he represents blacks and Jewish people and Hispanics and people of every color and every creed. And it is his job as president of the United States to stand up for each and every American, to stand up vertically against racism and bigotry. Peddling to racism is just as bad as being a racist. So Donald Trump is either a racist or he's peddling to it, and both are frank, frankly unacceptable and make him unfit to be president of the United States. If you can't be president, if you cannot stand up and represent Americans, you should not be president. And to my party, to the Republicans who are speaking out today, my question is, what the hell took you so long? When someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. For too long, Republicans in Congress, elected leaders, have looked the other way while a misogynist, racist, bigoted pig is in the White House. Let me tell you, we cannot capitulate the office of the presidency of the United States. We cannot capitulate moral clarity. We cannot capitulate principles. We cannot capitulate Republican values and American values. No piece of legislation no bone that he may throw on policy, no regulation is worth cheapening the office of the United States this way. It is breaking us apart. It is not news that's breaking us apart. It is the president of the United States who is causing this news. So Republicans need to stand up, need to grow a spine, and need to reject him. They don't, I'm tired of hearing Republicans say they're disappointed and disturbed by something he says. You know what? When he invites you to the White House, don't yeah. go. When he invites you to dinner, don't go. Do not stand next to him until he starts behaving in a presidential manner. Go and if he can't, you've got to confront him over and over and over and over again. And, Governor, here's, here's, what, here's what folks are saying. Um, those comments today that were at Trump Tower, in the same place where he launched his presidential campaign in June of 2015, by saying this. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. So, Governor, you know, the folks who are his critics are saying he showed us who he was in those comments over two years ago. At least he's consistent. He hasn't changed. Should, and people shouldn't be surprised by his behavior today. They expected it all along. What do you take with, what issue do you take with him by saying just what he Alrighty, that's, oh, we're back, folks, thank you. All right, you've been listening to the George Wall Virginia Show, Anna Navarro, uh, one of my favorites. Okay, let's, okay. Let's do this. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. You're on. You're dropped. The call was dropped. <laughs> okay. All righty. Okay, so we get that sometimes, folks. We do get that sometimes. It just happens. It's um, it's it's a part of the, <laughs> it's a part of being a radio host. It's it's a part of being on the internet. But it, it does look, if I can change the subject a little bit, it does look like it's, it's going to do some raining in the city of Chicago. Of course, we know that it's not the solar eclipse because that's over with. And um, 
uh, that's over with, you know, but it was beautiful. I mean, I'm going to be in and out on the solar eclipse all day, folks. It's going to be in and out for, for, uh, uh, on the solar eclipse all day. And we're going to, uh, do this right now. Let's see, what can we do? Let's see. Um, all right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me right here on Blog Talk Radio. Okay, let's go back to that clip with Anna Navarro, one of my favorite people. I mean, she just she just rips right into Donald Trump. She, she just, this guy cannot move without, and, and she's a Republican. And she's a Republican strategist. And she rips right into Donald Trump. And uh, let's try the phones again. Yeah, but then. All right. Uh, Welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. You're right on. You're on, George. Hello. I mean, Susan. Susan Johnson. That's me. Okay. You having problems with your phone? Yeah. Uh, One second, George. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I can hear. I, I okay. yeah, I can I'm hear good. you. I think. I'm good. I had you on speaker. I had you on speaker for a minute because I wanted to make sure I could get through. Um, okay. All right, you you you're through, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Susan Johnson on the George Wilder Jr. Show. You are an author, right? You did write something. I am. Oh, I did. okay. I, and your book is "Some Dreams Are Worth Keeping." Yeah, a I'm memoir saying. of my bipolar, a memoir of my bipolar journey. Okay, give us a little. Uh, tell us about yourself. Give us a small bio. Okay, well, I live in Las Vegas, and I work for the school district, and I have bipolar disorder. So about ten years ago, I decided to write a book about it. And the book basically is about my life beginning um, at the very beginning of my life. And then it moves on to my diagnosis of bipolar at night when I was 19 years old. And then it deals with the ups and downs of having bipolar disorder as an adult. And then mm. my successes. Okay. All right. So uh, for the benefit of the audience, um, some people may not know, but what is bipolar? When someone says they are bipolar, what exactly are they talking about? Okay, bipolar disorder is a chemical imbalance of the brain, which causes mm-hmm. high highs and low lows. And it's not just having a good day or a bad day or being a little moody. This is the point where you cannot function without medicine on a day-to-day basis. Okay, uh, uh, so it kinds of disrupt normal, just going uh, a normal day for you. It might be a disruption for you just by going, you know, just doing something that's normal. Exactly. And one in mm-hmm. five, um, one out of five Americans are dealing with some type of mental illness, whether it's mm-hmm. bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, postpartum depression, and depression. So this is very, very common in the United States and around the world. And so you've written a book because you want people to know that they can probably live a great life even with this disease. Exactly. And I, I did it to break stigma um, that uh-huh. I feel like I live with. You hear about crazy things on the news. You hear about all this negativity. 
people going, you know, people in prisons living with mental illness, but you don't hear the success mm-hmm. story. So I wanted to yeah. share my success story of hope. And, you know, there's hope and there's help if you're dealing with yeah. that. Exactly. I, and I think you, you, you're on the right track with this because a lot of people are, uh, this, this is a disease that can kill you if you don't get it in, get it in check. And by you showing, uh, you know, writing about it in a positive way, giving them some hope, you know, I mean, that's a, uh, that's a good sign because you're writing about your experiences with this disease to try to uplift other people who have, who have this disease also. And that's great. Yes, 90% um, of people living with this attempt suicide in one way or another. So that is a big, big problem. I'm very blessed I don't fall into that statistic. So that's a big blessing. But I know a lot of people um, that have, or just like my uncle, my uncle has it. This is a genetic illness. Since Mm -hmm. my uncle has it, we've watched him in and out of the hospital attempt suicide on many occasions. And it's just, it's terrifying and it's sad. Susan, is there a yeah. cure for this or is there a cure for it? Well, there is medicine, but I will have to okay. take my medicine till the day I die. And um, that's, but I'll always have it. It's a gene. So there's no I cure. Have. You just, you'll just be always right. uh, yeah. going to the doctor, getting no checked cure. out and getting a prescription and all that kind of thing. Right. That's right. No- that's right. Now the problem runs where people will go off their medicine. You're like, ah, I don't need the medicine. I feel great. And then you're going off and on, and they're not able to have successful marriages. They're not able to work. They're not able to have friends, you know, hobbies. And it's very important to stay medicated. You know, um, you're probably, you're probably going to disagree with me on this, and you have the right to disagree with me. But I think there's a cure out there. I think there's a cure for anyone with bipolar. I think some of the doctors don't want you to know that. I think some of the medical industry don't want you to know that because the medical industry is a profitable industry. They want to keep making money. Agreed. They agree. They want to make money. And it's all about making money. It's all about keeping you on meds so they can, you know, put the money in their pockets and, and go straight mm-hmm. to the banquet. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not well, I'm, I'm not I, look, hold it. Listen, I'm I'm not putting down the medicine. If you need, have to have medicine, take it. But medicine only treats the symptoms. You will still have this. I do think that there's a cure for it. I think that that uh, in order for in order to find a cure for it, I think you're going to have to try and do that yourself. Try to find a cure. And uh, because mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I think a lot of people, I don't know much about it. I, like I said, you may, not, you may disagree with me, but I think a lot of people who think they have bipolar, this bipolar disease, who think they're bipolar, they probably will start acting like someone with bipolar and they don't really have it. I'm not speaking about you or anything, but I'm just saying, I'm, basically what I'm saying, I do think there's a cure I agree. Um, there's, I think there's overgeneralization. You know, I talk about yeah. a lot. I, I'm an inspirational speaker. I talk about it. And then you'll meet people. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of book signings locally at coffee, at coffee shops. And people will be like, oh, I have bipolar. Or so-and-so has bipolar. And it's like, no, it's, you know, it's a loosely used term in a lot of ways. I yeah, feel. people just use but, it. And go, go ahead. 
yeah, but there is, but then there's actually having the diagnosis. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. There's there's a difference there. Yeah, but uh, I, I do believe uh, being treated for, I mean, you sound like a young person, being being treated for the rest of your life for something that's curable is just something I think the medical industry is just putting on you. I'm not saying, I'm not well, diminishing the let me know. I'm not let saying me, George, that you don't let have know, it. Let me know when you, <laughs> George, let me know when you find the cure. Just let, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, I, I I actually think that they know the cure. I think these guys know the cure. Yes, I under, I understand what you're saying because you hear but, that about you know, cancer and different things. Yeah, I I think, but you know, cancer is a little different because if you if you don't spot it quickly, it grows, but it can be cured yeah, too I'm, before yeah. you know. So, but um, but anyway, let's talk about your book. So, what's in your book? Okay. So my book, I had a calling from God to write the book. And yes, I took my medicine when I, when I had the calling. And mm-hmm. um, it has a lot of my faith in it. And I share my story. At first, the book was written just for my eyes only. And then I started thinking that maybe this could help somebody. So I decided to get it published. And I was okay, able you... to find a publisher. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, go, go right ahead. Um, and the publisher came about very, very quickly. He really liked um, It's published by a small press out of North Carolina called Indigo Sea Press. And it was picked up in just days. And you're an author, so you realize just how amazing and uh, that is to be picked up. I don't know if you've had experience. Yeah. Um, trying to get yeah. published. Yeah, yeah, I have. Believe me, <laughs> it's it's not an easy yeah, venture. Yeah, I, I checked but, out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I checked out. Do you have your book with you? Can you can you share? I do. Can you share an excerpt? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, so this is after my first manic high. Okay, I recall feeling a sense of paranoia as well, like people were staring at me as they walked by. It was as if they were accusing me of committing a crime. I was running on empty, but I could not sit down long enough to enjoy the buffet on the cruise. I had no appetite whatsoever. Food did not appeal in any way. I looked in the mirror at my bloodshot eyes and did not recognize J. Fox in the old movie in the movie, Michael J. Fox turned into a werewolf at night. I felt panicked and paralyzed with fear. There was another major problem. Grace became my enemy. I hate her every fiber in my body. I was deceitful to think she was my best friend. Susan, I, Susan I believe you're breaking up. He had turned on me, made me look like a fool in front of others. I was no fool. I became enraged straight down (laughs) to my inner core. If if it did come down to a fist fight by the railings on board the ship that weekend, it would have been me pushing her overboard. I was never a violent girl, but something inside me had been set off. I was spiraling out of control. When the weekend had ended, there was a nasty storm brewing within me. There was no telling what my future would hold when I returned home. Perhaps 
that was for the best. There you go. Oh, that sounds compelling. That's great. And how are people reacting to this book? They're reacting very positively. It is helping a lot of people, and it's uh, it's helping a lot of family members that are dealing with bipolar mm -hmm. disorder, giving them a window of what it's like for the family member, especially. Uh, you got to feel great about great about this thing, this book, because uh, you have to have you got to be going through the roof knowing that your book is helping other people out there with the same problem that you have. It is. It's a blessing for sure. Yeah. I, I never imagined this yeah. 10 years ago, you know, when I sat down with yeah. the idea of, of the book. So it's just, it's been a blessing for sure. So have you, have you gotten this under pretty under control as long as you take your medications? Yes. 15 years of stability. Yeah, 15 years. Yeah. 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 Does uh does exercise help and thinking positive does that yes, help and being less yes, stressful? Yes, I do. All uh-huh, exactly. All those things that you mentioned, you know, it's like an equation. You have to have the 8 yeah. hours of sleep, you have to eat properly, exercise, yeah. you know, have mm -hmm. have I have a Bible study that I go to. Um, all those types of things, see, you know, seeing the doctor, um, all those things in the equation to make yourself okay. physically and mentally what would Help you me. say to all of what would you say to all the bipolar people out there uh who are struggling through this? How would you uplift them just by being hang on hang on yeah yeah, hang on, keep fighting the good fight, always remember there is hope and there is help because life is so worth living That's one other question did you happen to see the solar eclipse today? Oh my goodness! I live in Las Vegas, <laughs> and you can imagine how many days, yeah. or how many yeah. days, it is sunny yeah. in the state. Could you believe we had rain during wow. the time of the eclipse? We actually had clouds and a little bit of sprinkles. <laughs> so unfortunately, no, that might have been a part of the eclipse—the clouds and the sprinklers. But um, so you guys didn't get to see it. I mean, <laughs> we really did. Some of you, how about you, huh? Yeah, we, we saw it. We yeah, we saw it. It was uh, it it was turning dark and black and everything, and everybody was looking up. It was beautiful. Oh, I mean, it was lucky. gorgeous. I I think this is the probably the best time for the entire uh, uh, population of, of the United States were one. Everybody had gotten together. We weren't divided. Yeah. We were just all one people. You know, just just sharing this very very special moment. You know, the eclipse. And it was wonderful. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. I, I just, I, I'm still giddy over it. I, <laughs> it was beautiful. It yeah, was wonderful. It's pretty amazing. And I can, yeah. I'm glad you got to see it. Yeah, yeah. We, we got were to supposed see it. to take I'm, our I'm, students out. Yeah, we were yeah. supposed to take our students out at the school I work at. And, you know, there was nothing to see uh -huh. with the clouds. So it was really oh, disappointing. Oh, wow. Um, I think it's going to yeah. be back in seven years. So you guys will be around. <laughs> Well, I hope so. I'm 41, George. I sure hope I'll be here in seven years. Yeah, yeah, know. I'm that young. That's God great. only That's knows. Great. Okay, so where can we find your book? I mean, if we wanted to, you know, download it or buy it, or paperback okay. or hardback, can, where would we find mm -hmm. it? Uh-huh. Amazon. It's going to be on Amazon. And then I'm mm -hmm. also a blogger for a magazine called BP Hope. That stands for Bipolar Hope. And I'm an award-winning yeah. blogger 
for 2017. So if you'd like to read my blogs, you can go to my website at sjohnsonauthor.com. So Amazon oh. is where you're going to find the book and then my site. And I'm also an inspirational speaker. So if anybody's looking for a speaker, I enjoy doing You're for that. hire, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, and you'll absolutely. Be speaking, please, and you'll please. Be speaking, <laughs> and you'll be speaking on bipolar. <laughs> I, one right. other My question, one more question. Sure. Okay, one other question. What is the percentage of the people in the United States that have bipolar disorder? Oh, that's a good question. I have to Google it, to be quite honest. I don't know it off the yeah. top of my head. But you but think it's a quite a few? I can look it up and get you, back you to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, you think one it's quite in a few five people. are dealing with, yeah, because one in five are dealing with some type of mental illness. So, yeah, yeah. You know, that's. That's up there. All right. Okay, author Susan Johnson, thanks for being on the show. And you really did enlighten me and, and my audience, you know, on this thing. Okay. And thanks for, thanks for uh, having me on and letting me talk about bipolar and helping break the stigma. I really appreciate that. No problem. No problem. You can always come back and talk about fine. it. You say you're going to, you know, come back and talk about it because I think it's one of those diseases that needs to be talked about because a lot of people have it. And, uh, and a lot of people don't know that they can actually uh, live a perfect life with bi being bipolar. Yeah. Yeah. It's not okay. easy, but it's definitely doable. <laughs> All right, Susan, thanks for, thanks for being on the show. Right. Okay. Thank bye -bye. you for having me, George. Bye. No problem. Bye-bye. All right, Susan Johnson on the George Wilder Jr. Show, talking bipolar. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty serious, folks. Here is Ashley Judd. Pardon the uh, bad words, but here she is. Ashley Judd, stupid fucking slut. You can't sue someone for calling them a cunt. If you can't handle the internet, fuck off, whore. I wish Ashley Judd would die a horrible death. She is the absolute worst. Ashley Judd, you're the reason women shouldn't vote. Twisted is such a bad movie, I don't even want to rape it. Whatever you do, don't tell Ashley Judd she'll die alone with a dried out vagina. If I had to fuck an older woman, oh my God, I would fuck the shit out of Ashley Judd. That bitch is hot AF. The unforgivable shit I would do to her. Online misogyny is a global gender rights tragedy, and it is imperative that it ends. And women's voices and our allies' voices are constrained in ways that are personally, economically, professionally, and politically damaged. And when we curb abuse, we will expand freedom. I am a Kentucky basketball fan, so on a fine March day last year, I was doing one of the things I do best. I was cheering for my Wildcats. The daffodils were blooming, but the referees were not blowing the whistle when I was telling them to. <laughs> funny, they're very friendly to me before the opening tip, but they really ignore me during the game. Three of my players were bleeding, so I did the next best thing. 
I tweeted. It is routine for me to be treated in the ways I've already described to you. It happens to me every single day on social media platforms such as Twitter and Facebook. Since I joined Twitter in 2011, misogyny and misogynists have amply demonstrated they will dog my every step, my spirituality, my faith. Being a hillbilly, I can say that you can't. All of it is fair game, and I have responded to this with various strategies. I've tried engaging people. This one guy was sending me hyper-sexual, nasty stuff, and there was a girl in his avatar. And I wrote him back and said, "Is that your daughter? I feel a lot of fear that you may think about and talk to women this way." And he surprised me by saying, "You know what? You're right. I apologize. Sometimes people want to be held accountable." This one guy was musing to I don't know who that maybe I was the definition of a cunt. I was married to a Scot for 14 years, so I said, "Cunt means many different things in different countries." But I'm pretty sure you epitomize the global standard of a dick. <laughs> I've tried to rise above it. I've tried to get in the trenches, but mostly I would scroll through these social media platforms with one eye partially closed, trying not to see it. But you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. What is seen goes in. It's traumatic. And I was always secretly hoping, in some part of me, that what was being said to me and about me wasn't true. Because even I, an avowed, self-declared feminist, who worships at the altar of Gloria, <laughs> internalized the patriarchy. This is really critical. Patriarchy is not boys and men. It is a system in which we all participate, including me. On that particular day, for some reason, that particular tweet after the basketball game triggered something called a cyber mob. This vitriolic, global outpouring of the most heinous. Hate speech, death threats, rape threats, and don't you know? When I was sitting at home alone in my nightgown, I got a phone call, and it was my beloved former husband. And he said on a voicemail, "Loved one, what is happening to you is not okay." And there was something about him taking a stand for me that night that allowed me to take a stand for myself. And I started to write. I started to write about. Sharing the fact that I'm a survivor of all forms of sexual abuse, including three rapes, and the hate speech I get in response to that—these are just some of the comments posted to news outlets. Being told I'm a snitch is really fun. Thank you, Jesus. May your grace and mercy shine. So I wrote this feminist op-ed. It is entitled "Forget Your Team." It is your online gender violence toward girls and women that can kiss my righteous ass. <laughs> and I did that alone, and I published it alone because my chief advisor said, "Please don't. The reign of retaliatory garbage that is inevitable. I fear for you." 
but I trust girls, and I trust women, and I trust our allies. It was published. It went viral. It proves that every single day, online misogyny is a phenomenon endured by us all, all over the world, and when it is intersectional, it is worse. Sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, religion, you name it, it amplifies the violence endured by girls and women, and for our younger girls, it is worse. It's clearly traumatizing. Our mental health, our emotional well-being are so gravely affected because the threat of violence is experienced neurobiologically as violence. The cortisol shoots up, the limbic system gets fired, we lose productivity at work. And let's talk about work. Our ability to work is constrained. Online searches of women applying for jobs reveal nude pictures of them, false allegations they have STDs, their addresses indicating that they are available for sex. With real examples of people showing up at this house for said sex. Our ability to go to school is impaired. 96% of all postings of sexual images in our young people Girls, our girls, our boys are two to three times more likely non-consensually to share images. And I want to say a word about revenge porn. Part of what came out of this tweet was my getting connected with allies and other activists who are fighting for a safe and free internet. We started something called the Speech Project, curbing abuse, expanding freedom. And that website provides a critical forum because there is no global legal thing to help us figure this out. But we do provide on that website a standardized list of definitions because it's hard to attack a behavior in the right way if we're not all sharing a definition of what that behavior is. And I learned that revenge porn is often dangerously misapplied. It is the non-consensual sharing of an image used tactically to shame and humiliate a girl or woman that attempts to pornography us. Our natural sexuality is, I don't know about yours, pretty gorgeous and wonderful. And my expressing it does not pornography make. So I have all these resources that I'm keenly aware so many people in the world do not. I was able to start the speech project with colleagues. I can often get a social media company's attention. I have a wonderful visit to Facebook HQ coming up. Hasn't helped the idiotic reporting standards yet. I actually pay someone to scrub my social media feeds attempting to spare my brain the daily iterations of the trauma of hate speech. And guess what? I get hate speech for that. Oh, you live in an echo chamber. Well, guess what? Having someone post a photograph of me with my mouth open saying they can't wait to come on my face, I have a right to set that boundary. And this distinction between virtual and real is specious because guess what? That actually happened to me once when I was a child and so that tweet brought up that trauma and I had to do work on that. But you know what we do? We take all of this hate speech and we disaggregate it and we code it and we give that data 
so that we understand the intersectionality of it. You know, when I get porn, when it's about political affiliation, when it's about age, when it's about all of it. We're going to win this fight. There are a lot of solutions. Thank goodness. I'm going to offer just a few. And of course, I challenge you to create and contribute your own. Number one, we have to start with digital media literacy. And clearly, it must have a gendered lens. Kids, schools, caregivers, parents, it's essential. Two, shall we talk about our friends in tech? Said with dignity and respect, the sexism in your workplaces must end. Edge, the global standard for gender equality, is the minimum standard. And guess what? Silicon Valley, if L'Oreal in India, in the Philippines, in Brazil, and in Russia can do it, you can too. Enough excuses. Only when women have critical mass in every department at your companies, including building platforms from the ground up, will the conversations about priorities and solutions change. And more love for my friends in tech, profiteering off misogyny and video games must end. I'm so tired of hearing you talk to me at cocktail parties, like you did a couple weeks ago in Aspen, about how deplorable hashtag Gamergate was when you're still making billions of dollars off games that maim and dump women for sport. Basta, as the Italians would say. Enough. Our friends in law enforcement have much to do because we've seen. That online violence is an extension of in-person violence. In our country, more girls and women have been murdered by their intimate partners than died on 9/11 and have died since in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. And it's not cool to say that, but it is true. We care so much geopolitically about what men are doing over there to women over there. In 2015, 72,828 women used intimate partner violence services in this country. That is not counting the girls and women and boys who needed them. Law enforcement must be empowered with up-to-date internet technology, the devices, and an understanding of these platforms, how they work. The police wanted to be helpful when Amanda Hess called about the death threat she was getting on Twitter. But they couldn't really when they said, "What's Twitter?" <laughs> Our legislators must write and pass astute legislation that reflects today's technology and our notions of free and hate speech. In New York recently, the law could not be applied to a perpetrator because the crimes must have been committed, even if it was anonymous. They must have been committed by telephone, in mail, by telegraph. <laughs> the language must be technologically neutral. So apparently, I've got a pretty bold voice. So let's talk about our friends, white men. You have a role to play and a choice to make. You can do something, or you can do nothing. We're cool in this room, but when this goes out, everyone will say, "Oh my God, she's a reverse racist." 
That quote was said by a white man, Robert Morris, chairperson, Price Waterhouse Cooper. He asked me to include it in my talk. We need to grow support lines and help groups so victims can help each other when their lives and finances have been derailed. We must, as individuals, disrupt gender violence as it is happening. 92% of young people, 29 and under, witness it. 72% of us have witnessed it. We must have the courage and urgency to practice stopping it as it is unfolding. And lastly, believe her. Believe her. This is fundamentally a problem of human interaction. And thus, I believe that human interaction is at the core of our healing. Trauma not transformed will be trauma transferred. Edith Wharton said the end is latent in the beginning, so we are going to end this talk replacing hate speech with love speech. Because I get lonely in this, but I know that we are allies. I recently learned about how gratitude and affirmations offset negative interactions. It takes five of those to offset one negative interaction. And gratitude in particular, free, available globally, anytime, anywhere, to anyone in any dialect. It fires the pregenual anterior singlet, a watershed part of the brain that floods it with great good stuff. So I'm going to say awesome stuff about myself. I would like for you to reflect it back to me. It might sound something like this. I am a powerful and strong woman, and you would say, yes, you are. Yes, you are. My mama loves me. Yes, she does. I did a great job with my talk. Yes, you did. I have a right to be here. Yes, you do. I'm really cute. Yes, you are. God does good work. Yes, he does. And I love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Mr. President. Senator from California. Senator Carper, it's interesting. You talked about Tanzania. Um, it reminds me of a, a greeting that I've um, often heard from people who live in various African countries. You've probably heard it. But when you meet someone for the first time, instead of what we would normally say, pleased to meet you, the greeting back is, I see you. I see you. And I think that really is part of our 
concern here? Do we see the people who will be impacted in the way that they are actually living their lives? And do we understand if we see them that this bill will not be in their best interest? And right now, for example, we know 13 senators, all Republicans are crafting a bill, and this bill would restructure our nation's entire health care system, which when you add up what Americans can spend on hospitals, doctors, prescription drugs, and all the rest, we understand that it makes up one-sixth of our economy. It would affect the lives of everyone, our parents, grandparents, those who are in need of caregiving, our children struggling with asthma, or opioid abuse, our spouses who may be battling cancer. And what is equally distressing is that this bill is being written in secret. The chairman of the Finance Committee says he has not seen the bill. The Secretary of Health and Human Services says he has not seen the bill. The American people, the people we all represent, have certainly not seen the bill. Well, I think the American people deserve better. This bill is being written entirely along partisan lines without any attempt to bring Democrats on board. And the American people deserve better. This bill is being written and rushed through the Senate with hardly any time to debate the cost or the details of this proposal. And the American people deserve better. Now I remember when our colleagues across the aisle said the Affordable Care Act was being rammed down the American people's throats in the middle of the night. Well, the ACA went, in fact, through 106 public hearings. It incorporated more than 170 Republican amendments. The whole process took an entire year. But this health care plan involves no hearings, no bill text, and no transparency at all. As United States Senators, we were sent here to represent the American people, represent the American people. We answer to the American people. So why are my colleagues from across the aisle trying to put one over on the American people? I've met folks all across California and this country, and they see what's happening. They know that if this bill were as wonderful as its proponents would like us to believe, it would be out in the open. The American people deserve greater transparency. But even though the authors of this proposal have tried to conceal the details of their plan, we know enough to know this bill would be nothing short of a disaster. We know because we've been told that it's about 80% the same as the bill that was passed by the House, a bill so catastrophic that even the President of the United States, who hailed its passage, now calls it, quote, mean. We know that it would throw 23 million Americans off their health insurance within a decade, including putting 4 to 5 million Californians at risk of losing coverage. We know it would raise costs for middle-class families and seniors. In every county of California, average monthly premium costs would go up, while financial support to pay premiums would fall. We know it would put Americans with pre-existing conditions at risk and leave people who need maternity care or opioid treatment without coverage or force them to pay huge out-of-pocket costs. We know it would cut about $834 billion 
for Medicaid, which means less money for families to pay for nursing homes, to support children with special needs, or to treat substance abuse. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. And that is another reason we need the Affordable Care Act <laughs> to be in place in a way that we fix what's wrong, but we mend what's broken and not repeal it all together. I recently visited, Mr. President, a really remarkable treatment clinic in Los Angeles. It's called the Martin Luther King Jr. Outpatient Center. Everyone from the doctors to the patients can tell you that when 46,000 Californians, excuse me, 4,600 Californians are dying every year from substance abuse and opioid overdoses, it is wrong and irrational to cut Medicaid. So it really makes you wonder, why would anyone support this bill? How does this bill help real people with real challenges? At a healthcare rally in Los Angeles back in January, I met a woman named Tanya. Before the ACA, she'd sign up for insurance just long enough to see a doctor. She'd then have a few tests done and fill a prescription. Then she would realize she couldn't, couldn't pay and couldn't afford to pay for the insurance beyond that. And she said it's, quote, the worst feeling in the world to have to tell your doctor who is trying to make you well that you cannot afford the treatment prescribed. Tanya told me, quote, before the Affordable Care Act, living without health coverage was a nightmare in this country. But she went on to say that has all changed. And thanks to the ACA, I can now see a doctor when I need to, monitor my condition, and stay healthy so I can keep working and contribute to our nation's economy. If my Colleagues in Congress, and she referred to them as, if the Republicans in Congress repeal the law, I don't know what I will do. So I ask, how does the Republican health care plan help Tanya? Another woman, Krista, told me, quote, I am married with four children, none of whom, and one of whom is a 10-year-old type 1 diabetic. He requires daily active insulin management to stay alive. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. She went on to say health care is not optional for us. Even with health insurance, diabetes management is the type of thing that can bankrupt you. With health insurance, I can't imagine what I would do. She went on to say the ACA is a huge relief for my family. So I ask, how does this bill help Krista and her family? Then there's Rhett in Marin County. More than seven years ago, he was diagnosed with leukemia. Rhett is nine years old. He says, cancer cells are the bad guys. This is what he wrote me. For three and a half years, I took chemo to get the bad guys out. I had more than 1,000 doses of chemotherapy. My parents had to tell my sister that I might die of cancer. And then he went on to write, thanks to my doctors and nurses, my family and friends, my church and my community and the Affordable Care Act, now I'm, and then he writes, gone with the cancer. I have a pre-existing condition. Thanks to the Affordable Care Act, my parents don't have to worry about losing coverage. A nine-year-old Rhett 
is showing us the way. But how does this bill help Rhett? Now, I don't know the party affiliation of any of these folks. I don't know if they're Democrats. I don't know if they're Republicans. I don't know if they're independents. I don't know if they're members of the Green Party. I'm not asking them those questions. I'm asking them, how are you doing? What's helping you? What do you need? And how will this impact you? And I know that I'm just one of two senators that they have. And when it comes to their needs and their need to be represented in the United States Congress and their need to be heard and their need to be seen, party affiliation should not matter. What should matter are the needs of the American people. And regardless then of who they vote for in a partisan election, I am certain of this. This health care plan that is being proposed by my colleagues from across the aisle will not solve their problems. And it will only create, in fact, more problems and potentially devastate people's lives. So to my colleagues, I say, this shouldn't be a matter of supporting this bill automatically if you're a Republican or objecting just because you're a Democrat. This is about what's right and what's wrong. If you know this bill is bad, stand up and stop it. Speak that truth. Now is not the time to keep quiet and hope nobody notices. Forget the politics. Forget partisan pressure and talk radio and primary ads. Instead, just listen to the voices of the American people. Not just in California, but in Nevada, in Arizona, in Ohio, in Alaska, in Maine, in Pennsylvania, in West Virginia. Because they have made themselves overwhelmingly clear only 20% of Americans support this bill. A majority opposes it in every state in this country. It is the least popular piece of legislation in modern history. I'm asking you to think about the American people. I'm asking you to think about Tanya. Think about Krista. Think about Rhett living with leukemia since he was just two and a half years old, undergoing two and a half hour infusions every night with such incredible bravery. Let the determination of Americans like Rhett bring us together, a nine-year-old boy who tells us in his words, don't repeal the Affordable Care Act, improve it. Because we all agree the ACA can be improved. It must be improved. It isn't perfect. And I am ready to work with anyone who really wants to make it better. Instead of playing politics, instead of playing politics with public health and people's lives, we can actually work together to strengthen our health care system. In fact, I'm proud to have recently co-sponsored a bill with Senator Dianne Feinstein and a number of my Democratic colleagues. Our bill would make it safer and easier for middle-class Americans to buy insurance if they currently don't qualify for any help paying their premiums. 
These are the kind of solutions Democrats can get behind. These are the kinds of solutions that would help and not hurt the people we represent. We took an oath to represent all the people. So I am asking every member of this chamber to think long and hard about the consequences of this bill. Think about the responsibility we've been entrusted with. We owe it to the American people to tell the truth, not to hide it. We owe it to the American people to solve real problems, not to manufacture new ones. We owe it to the American people to do the job we were sent here to do. I urge my colleagues, vote down this bill and stand up for the people we represent and serve. I totally agree. I totally agree. But the Republicans, that piece of uh, tidbit is falling on deaf ears. Believe me, these people, um, we have uh, the... We have President Donald Trump. I don't know whether whether to laugh at Trump or just <laughs> take this real serious. Uh, maybe a little bit of both, you know. Anyway, thanks for listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We got about nine more minutes left into the show, and I want to say some more about the polar, uh, not bipolar, but uh, the solar eclipse. If I can fix my mouth to say it. Uh, the solar eclipse. It was just uh, one of those things, and uh, it was a great thing. And uh, once again, I hope everybody in the sound of my voice, whether you're listening live or you're going to listen later, I hope you had a great. I hope you had a great time uh, viewing this. And all you kids out there, I know you had a great time. You were just grinning. I know it's a lot of people out there, there that didn't get to see it, even though they were looking up. They did not get to see anything, but uh, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. There's a lot of people that didn't get to see anything. It's a hell of a lot of people that got to saw everything. And I'm getting mixed numbers here. Uh, I posted on Facebook that the next one would be in seven years. That's because I heard it on I think I heard it on, on the national news and then I'm hearing in the next uh, 38 years and I'm hearing next year. I don't know when the next solar eclipse is going to be because I'm, I'm people are throwing numbers out there saying it's going to be 10 years from now, seven years from now, 24 years from now, next year. Uh, to, you, you never know, you know, but whenever it comes, I hope I'll be around to try and really get a clear view of it. And <laughs> there's a lot of people on Facebook saying that they know that Trump took off his glasses. I mean, it's it's a great big old photograph up there of him taking off his glasses and looking at the sun. And there are some people in there who hate Trump so much. They're saying that hopefully he'll go blind. I mean, I don't know if I want to go that far, but Trump is a despicable person. He is uh, a racist. He is white supremacist, nationalist, KKK, Nazi sympathizer. He's all of that. So maybe he should go blind. 
All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. It is beautiful in the city of Chicago. You know what? Right now, I'm sitting in my studio. I got, I got this great big old window in front of me. I can see the avenue. I can see the skies. I can see nature. And it looks really bad. It looks like the solar eclipse is still over Chicago. Uh, but from my understanding, we're going to get some storms. It's going to rain pitifully. It's hot and humid out out here, out in Chicago today, at least on the uh, north side of the city is where I, I'm on. I want to say this, too. I've had people, um, some people, um, when they want to be nasty, when people want to be nasty to me and to the show, uh, you live in Chicago, all, this, all they do is kill each other, you know, when they want to be nasty and rude and, and obnoxious, they bring up... Uh, the murders and the killings in Chicago saying that we're killing each other, you know, uh, just nasty people. But in some ways they're right. You know, I mean, I can't deny the uh, carnage and the crime in the city of Chicago that the police can't seem to, they can't seem to uh, uh, get a handle on. All right. Someone just, Harry Porter. Who's this guy? Someone just popped up on my Facebook page. Yeah, folks, I'm looking at my Facebook page while I'm on the radio, while I'm announcing, while I'm here, while I have my guest on. Uh, I don't usually do that. I, I don't usually uh, look at Facebook or, or, or participate in folks on radio. But um, there's someone telling me to watch their private video and don't show it to anyone else. Now, why would you want me to watch your private video and do not show it to anyone else? I don't watch private videos. I don't know what's in it. It was a while ago. Can you add me under ad members as it still shows pending for me so I can request a second time? A second time for what? Okay, I'm reading something off of here. Somebody then. done... I don't know what the hell they want. Let's see. I usually just delete these people. What does he want? Hi, George. Uh, please, will you do me a favor and accept m my joining request to eBooks Mexico? Uh, look, I, I don't know anything about that. Uh, let me click off this. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh-oh, we're just running out of time, and I'm reading... <laughs> some posts that I probably should not be reading. And we are running out of time here quickly. Let's see. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. I hope, I hope you had a great day-to-day uh, -to -day watching and experiencing this great moment and this togetherness uh, during this solar eclipse moment. It was beautiful. Struggles one more day Heaven help 